Thank you so much for joining us again on the Off Belay podcast, the podcast for climbers right here in New England. We sit down with climbers of all disciplines and experience levels to talk about local roots, history, crags, stories, and more. Welcome back to episode seven. I'm your host, Michelle Bourget. And co-host, Rich Willett. The Off Belay podcast is brought to you by our friends at Central Rock Gym. CRG is a family-owned business and has 15 locations throughout the Northeast including Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New York. The climbing community in this area simply would not be the same without CRG. Besides their impressive number of -of state-of-the-art facilities, they've been around since 2009, which is longer than Instagram has been around, so I think kind of in a way that makes CRG the OG hipsters. CRG has it all from yoga classes, lead certifications, squat racks bro, gear shops, and more. CRG Hadley also has a crack if you're into that kind of thing, which we definitely are here at Off Belay. Thank you to CRG for supporting Off Belay and for being so dope to this community. Check out the latest events, classes, and news at centralrockgym.com. Quick update from our friends at the Western Massachusetts Climbers Coalition. The next meeting is September 22nd, so as always, feel free to join in via Zoom. They just submitted their new bylaws and mission statement to the state after they were approved by the membership. They're supporting the Community Ascension Project, which is a collaboration between a lot of different organizations, and the project introduces people from marginalized backgrounds to crag development and is, quote, pretty rad. So that's it for official announcements from the WMCC. For some quick off-belay news, our audio wizard Mara and her husband Josiah have officially moved out to Colorado to continue their adventures. Needless to say that Rich and myself are pretty heartbroken but look forward to seeing all the beta on the good climbing before either of us visits. For reals, we wish them all the best and appreciate all the hard work that Mara has put into the show so far, including multiple renditions of our intro song, editing the shows, helping produce and interview some episodes, set up audio equipment, and so on. Mara was an integral part of getting this podcast launched, and we miss her already, so cheers to you guys out in Colorado. Um, Anything from you, Rich, before we get started? Nope, nope, ready to, ready to jump on in. Maybe I'll give them a plug later. Okay, wonderful. So um, getting into it, I am very excited to speak with our guests today. Um, some little known information was that when I sat down with Rich and some of our friends earlier this year, and I was like, oh, maybe I should start a podcast, right? Classic. The original idea was actually to do a video series where I sat down with people who've been climbing in our community for a long time and have seen it, you know, long before a lot of us even touched a rock. So um, that was kind of the initial idea. Um, I went to school for video production. So that whole idea of like telling their story, like really, you know, spoke to me. But then the podcast happened and we've been speaking with some amazing climbers and, you know, uh, but I'm real excited because this climber has been climbing for a long time here. So Um, Without further ado, (laughs) Um, getting into the interview, um, we're excited to be sitting down this evening with a person whose story is deeply woven into many of the crags, roots, and stories of New England climbing, most notably in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. This person started the ClimbRI.org website in 1995, that's right, 1995, the internet, as a free resource for climbers to better enjoy some of the smaller hidden gems in Southern New England. He continues to develop roots today and mentors new and experienced climbers alike. Everyone, Brian Phillips. Brian, 
Thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you on the show. Um, so you and I have kind of been going back and forth about um, what we're going to talk about today, which is how climbing has essentially changed since you started. So if you want to give us as much detail as you want on that, we're here for it. Well, I started climbing just under 40 years ago. Um, and I started at this little tiny rock, Petaquamskit Rock in South Kingstown. And most notably, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know of the warden, Chris Smith, who developed uh, a lot of Romney and other places. They started there as well. It's a little tiny dinky crag with mica uh, in it that's just so sharp it just will thread your, your rope and it's, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyways, that's where I started. Um, and back then at the Gunks, I mean, I remember when a, a day pass was three dollars and you parked on the side of the road. There was no parking lots. And back then it was entirely different. It was all trad, obviously. And um, it was, there were no rock gyms. It was all through mentorship. And the mentorship basically was someone handed you a rack and you went up. That was how you were taught. I mean, by today's standards, that's, that's dangerous, but that's how it was. And back then, though, it was, much more of the, the mentality of the leader must not fall. I mean, if you climbed 5'8 five five trad at the Gunks, you were a badass climber. Now, some 10-year-old kid in the rock gym is, is walking up 5'12s. You know, I mean, it's an entirely different thing. And, I mean, even the gear, if you had five cams, a set of nuts, and some hexes, that was what your gear was at the Gunks. So, Obviously, you didn't want to fall because you're probably your last piece is 20 feet below you. You know, very well could be. Um, now everybody's got a double rack and they can protect the hell out of a climb. So um, that's changed a lot. The um, the makeup of climbers since rock gyms. I mean, rock gyms have changed everything. Um, back then, it was probably 90% uh, or more of white guys. Now it's a lot more women, um, probably not up to the 51% of the population, but still a lot more women. Um, there still needs to be a lot of inclusion. I know my friend Dulcie at uh, uh, WMCC has been doing a lot with, with, with that. Um, I used to climb back in the 90s uh, with a a black guy from Britain, and he was the only black partner I've ever had. And since then, he's actually the only African American, or in this case, African British guy <laughs> I've ever seen at the crag outside. Um, they just don't see them. So there really needs to be a lot more inclusion um, with a lot of other groups. Women leaders, my buddy Amy Chu, who you had on podcast on here. Um, she's a great example of somebody that just taken off in climbing every single discipline and um, become a fanatic, you know. Um, but there needs to be a lot more women leaders. Um, I know that, um, I don't know if you know Christian Ray with the um, Women uh, Ladies Climbers Coalition, she's been doing a lot of work with getting people 
um, out there climbing and leading. Um, so, th so that's all a good thing. Um, some groups, I don't know what, what it is, I'd, I'd love to see a socio-economic study of climbers. Some groups, for me anyways, I may, I may be an anomaly, but um, I climb with a disproportionate amount of Asians. I mean, Asians are like five and a half percent of the, of the U.S. population. Fifteen to twenty percent of the people I climb with are Asians. Like I say, that may not hold true with everyone, but I don't know why. So it's disproportionate for me. Um, what else has changed? Um, like I say, rock gyms. That's brought out. Unfortunately, too many climbers. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The places are really, really crowded now. Romney. I mean, I don't even attempt to go there on the weekend. Um, there's just so many climbers now getting getting outside. I mean, now the the path is gym, sport climbing, trad climbing, and there's a lot of little crags. There's a, there's a crag down in Rhode Island that I uh, call Beach Pond, and way back in 1988 um, wild country came out with flexible friends they used to have those rigid friends before then i don't know if you've ever seen them but anyways they came out with these new flexible friends and i got a set for christmas the set was probably all of five or six cams i was dying to use them so i went down to beach pond and i led everything there that i could possibly lead and we used to climb there because it was one of the few places you could climb was before rock gyms. And then rock gyms came along and the place was totally obscure. No one ever climbed there. Once in a while, Boy Scouts would go down there and they'd repel off it, but that was it. I went back there a couple of years ago and I bolted all the routes that I did way back in the 80s. Now, sometimes you go there on the weekend, there's 15 people there. People as far away as Boston and New Haven go to climb there simply because it's bolted. So wow. that's that's what bolts will do for an obscure crack. Yeah. Um, uh, what other changes? Well, like I say, crowds, that's, that's the big thing. And a lot of these, you know, what could be done is a lot of these really obscure crags could be developed or a lot of them have ac ac access issues um, but right here like in central mass um, you've got obscure crags that very few people know about like Bunyan Mountain up in Munson um, very few people climb there it's a spectacular climb, it's beautiful. climbing area it was written up in climbing magazine I saw that a long time ago. Yeah, a long yeah. time ago, yeah. really long time ago. Um, you got that. You got uh, high rocks in um, also called Podunk over in the, is it east or west Brookfield. Yeah, it's East Brookfield, Sturbridge. Oh, right over the. It's like yeah, fifteen so, minutes. So west, yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> 15, <laughs> 10, 15 right. minute drive and a thirty great, minute hike. <laughs> great, great little crag. Yeah. No one climbs there, and actually, I, I understand that they've got permission for. Uh, access across private land to get there. It's actually state land, the crag itself. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's tough that, I mean, just speaking on that specific crag, and I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought here, mm -hmm. but there, um, I feel like the cliff is actually 
so tall that it's difficult to tell what grade it is because you can't really see the whole root sometimes. So it's like you either rappel down, you don't, you know, kind of know what you're getting yourself into well, for the, in most cases, there, I think. There's a guidebook on my, uh, my website. I'm ashamed that I didn't look at it. Yeah, like during the, uh, through the pandemic, I, we've talked about it on some of the previous episodes, but the big thing that Michelle and I did was to um, try to go to more obscure crags. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty much just Michelle and I climbing together through the majority of the pandemic. But I know I was cheating off of your website a lot when we went mm-hmm. uh, to all those spots to kind of get some beta on a lot of them. But um, we, I think we just kind of, kind of ran down the list and checked off the box on like a lot of the spots that you had. There's uh, an old hand drawn, hand drawn guidebook yeah. on there that I got from someone. Same, <laughs> same thing as uh, as far as um, Bunyan Mountain. Mm-hmm. I got a whole, whole old um, hand drawn guidebook that uh, I think Al Rubin did. Um, a, a note about Bunyan Mountain, by the way. The crag is not on Bunyan Mountain. That's a it's a misnomer. <laughs> when they originally went there, they thought they were on Bunyan Mountain. The the cliff is actually on Chicopee Mountain. That's but, funny. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody calls it Bunyan Mountain, so I call it Bunyan Mountain. Um, Brian, how old were you when you started climbing? I was I was relatively uh, old for a climber. I was like thirty. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. See, Rich, it's never too late. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, I mean, it was the lunatic fringe that climbed. You know, it, it, there was no rock gyms. It was, wasn't mainstream at all. If you told people you climbed, you know, rock faces, they looked at you like, you know, you're a little, little out there. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome, though. It's yeah. like in the best way. And I mean, when you went to the gunks, you knew a lot of the people there. Now, sure. you go there and there's, you know, thousand people there. I still get that look, but then like I only I climbed the three. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the climb V three or the boulder grade? No. Oh, <laughs> right? Isn't that at the Gunks V three? I think isn't there a route called V three at the Gunks? I don't um if I wasn't worried about Easy V. Easy V, okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyways, I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought with my very important contribution. Um, what else has changed? I mean, if anything else has changed. Um, there's some exciting new crags coming along. Um, Hanging Mountain. Um, I've been doing some uh, work up there, uh, trail work and hanging some ropes. Um, and right now it's under review process for um, endangered species. Um, has to go undergo through that to the state. Um, and you have to stay tuned on the Western Massachusetts Climate Coalition to find out when it's going to open. No one really knows. <laughs> um, but uh, that is, it's a spectacular place. It really, it really is. It's, uh, it's going to be very popular, I'm sure. And it's a mix right now of about 50-50 trad and sport. Um, there's some hard stuff there. Um, it's really going to be fun. That's awesome. We're excited. Um, what? Uh, so you said you've been like hanging ropes and doing trail work and everything. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular um, part of it that you're excited about? I mean, I know you're typically a trad climber, right? Is there anything? Uh, no, I, I do both. I, I started out as a 
tried climbing. I was a tried elitist, like a lot of other people. You know, <laughs> kind of looked down my nose at sport climbers and boulders. I mean, that's just silly. <laughs> yeah, take that, Jesse. <laughs> We love boulders on this podcast, everybody. Michelle loves boulders on this podcast. I give my bouldering friends a lot of hard time. But, um, well, they love a hard time, so that's great, because bouldering is really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I mean, the, the, the roots there are just really, really great. Um, I've, I've climbed both sport and tried there. I mean, there's a... There's a five nine trad route right there, right as you come up, it's called the Cloud Buttress, which I forget the name of, but um, spectacular route, um, one of the nicest routes there, I think. I think. Michelle and I are both walking on eggshells because we don't know like what we can ask about this crag or not, and like what's, <laughs> what's a secret and what's what's not uh, what's not for information, so. Spill the beans on whatever you talk about. <laughs> um, mountains. I mean, I, that's I don't the know, question really I get the most. Secrets, yeah. Um, uh, I know Dulcie's working on a, um, a guidebook to it. but um, Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, so there'll be a guidebook. Okay. Um, when, but I don't really know where it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone does, though. Well, yeah, it's, like I said, it's got to undergo this review process. Right. And okay. get approved. Um hopefully sooner than later yeah yeah I, I mean i'm personally so excited i mean people that have been climbing for a long time will have somewhere mm-hmm. new to go and how often does that happen yeah. with rock formations you know but um right. but also people that are new to climbing which there are a lot of especially now with the olympics having just happened right. um it will it will diversify or break up the crowds a little bit from farley maybe even from rumney yeah, you know to have yeah, access to another sport so. crag right so that'll be nice too i think a lot of the farley crowd hopefully will will go there um because there's probably as many sport routes there as, as farley really wow well, i don't know I, I don't so, know if Folly that well, maybe I'm... Allegedly. It's not documented yet. You can throw out numbers. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be real. Um, it's fine. I may be misspeaking you. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, and first, it's bigger than Ron. And, and only, um, only about... Uh, only the right-hand side of Yangon Mountain has been developed. There's a whole nother... Really? Uh, at least half of the cliff that has not been developed yet. Is that just due to a lack of time, or is that act, like a continued access well, issue? I, I think they wanted to um, develop part of it, get it approved, yeah, and open it before you know trying to do the whole thing. Um, yeah. Very cool. Brian's pumped. I'm pumped. We're so. all pumped. It's going to be great for everyone in this area. I think. Um, so, are you originally from New England? I'm originally from Rhode Island. From Rhode Island, yeah. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. I lived, lived in California for a short time, but. Well, for the climbing? No. What for? <laughs> for the Navy. Oh, that's great. How long were you in the Navy for? I was in the, in the uh, active duty four years, but I worked for them for 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. We appreciate it. Um, what did you, do you mind if I ask what you did for the Navy? Um, well, when I was in the Navy, I was in the Seabees Construction Battalion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked at the Naval War College in Newport for 30 years. Wow. I was head of the computer department. Very cool. So that explains how you knew how to code your website in 1995. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. (laughs) Um, So you had talked about um, prior to gyms being the primary source of 
you know, getting into climbing, mm-hmm. that there was mentorship. Yeah. Could you give us an idea of what your mentorship looked like when you first started climbing? My mentorship was, um, this guy is probably not with us anymore because he was probably was older than I am. So by probably, I don't know, 15 years maybe. So I'm not sure. But anyways, it would have consisted of, I was at the gunks. We were on a climb. We had to do belly roll at the gunks. Mm-hmm. It's 5'4". We were there. He handed me the rack, and I went up. That what was, was the rack? Do you remember? Like, roughly? It was hexes. <laughs> Ew. It was hexes. It was rigid friends. Okay. Um, and nuts. And that was it. It's fine. <laughs> and, and, and if you know belly roll at all, it's it's... Literally a belly roll where you stick yourself inside this like diagonal chimney. You don't have much pro there to begin with, so it was a lot more um, uh, adventuresome in those days. Let's put it that way. Did you follow any routes first before this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing you learn then that you don't really learn now, you learn how to down climb. You should be able then the the the, the the thought was that you should be able to down climb anything you can climb up. I mean, guess mm-hmm. we got caught in the rain once on a climb there. We down climbed the climb. How do you know if you're able to down climb something? <laughs> like, what if well, you no, do something that's no, harder no. than you thought it was? Do it and don't die. <laughs> right. Check. <laughs> well, back then you could down climb them because they were relatively easy climbs. But you know, you're not going to down climb some overhanging five eleven now. Okay. You know, that's right. not happening. But it's different. I'm not going to climb up it either, just so we're clear. <laughs> Sorry, Rich has a horrible habit of not being close to the microphone. Yes, I like going back. <laughs> um, so did you just have the one mentor? Were there multiple? Um, I climbed with multiple people, but um, he was the first one to introduce me to try climbing, to leading. And did you stay primarily in the gunks when you were learning, or were you climbing in Rhode Island at first? Um, with the exception of Beach Pond, which I mentioned, um, it was either the, uh, the Gunks in New Hampshire. Um, I climbed like White Horse and Cathedral and those places. You know, Cannon. You know, I never thought I'd climb up on Cannon. I was like too big, too scary. Cannon is big and scary and yeah. crumbly. Does it look yeah, uh, like... It's has it changed a lot? It's dangerous. <laughs> I feel like it falls apart every day. I mean, never mind. I, I, I climbed on climbs. I used to do this climb there called uh, Constellation Prize. It's a 5.8. It's like uh, eight pitches or so. And... Um, it was an entirely different climb before the old man fell down. Oh, did it go over the down, old man? It took down a lot of the climb. Oh. Uh, the first pitch used to be like, I don't know, 5'5", five, five, now it's 5'8". The finger crack um, on the second pitch was now a hand crack. I mean, it just changed the climb. Did it go over the old man on the mountain? The you know, old man on the came down right over that climb. Yes. But did the route, like, was it oh, on? yeah, it finished it- up the... Um, Almost all of those climbs on that side finish up the left cheek of the old man. Wow. Yeah. And that's, it's still there. It's called Visitor's Corner. Wow. That's still there. That didn't fall down. Wow. That's yeah. that's so crazy. What would you say? It went from a, a finger crack to a hand crack? Right. Wow. Yeah. Everything's temporary, folks. Yeah. And even, even climbs there that are climbed all the time, like um, Moby Great. It was just a guy that died on that last year. Yeah. And he pulled down a rock. The rock hit his rope, cut his rope, and 
That was it. That was tragic. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a bit because there was nothing, even the most experienced climber in the world maybe couldn't have avoided that. You know, it was truly yeah. just like a tragic happening, unfortunately. So it huh. goes with the nature of the sport that I think we often forget growing from the safety of a gym that is inherently dangerous. Yeah, but some places more dangerous than others are definitely, <laughs> definitely cannon. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did a climb on the Igo once and uh, talk about Rockfall. Tell us about the Iger. <laughs> um, I've been waiting for this part, by the way. Uh, <laughs> 2005, we went over to climb the Iger, and our hope was was uh, July 2005. Our hope was to climb this route called the. Uh, it's on the north pillar on the north side called, uh, called the Austrian route. It was climbed by some very famous climbers, Reinhold and Gunther uh, Mesner, and um, we. Started up at conditions, we were worried about the conditions being too warm. We got up, 14 pitches up, We, uh, which took us quite a while, longer than it should have. And we bivvied for the night. And uh, the next day we got up and it was, the, rate, the, the snow fields above us were melting. So it was just raining water down on the route. And we said, we got to get out of here. It's, it's not happening. You know, if we went up any higher, it wouldn't have been good. Um, so we repelled down, and the problem with that is there's no fixed anchors, obviously. So we had to build anchors to repel off for 14 pitches. Wow. To, and so I left like half my rack on the, on the north face of the eye. I <laughs> was not happy about that. <laughs> so the thing that really hurt was, I had to go into a gear shop in, in, in Switzerland, which is not the, the most inexpensive country in Europe, and I had to replenish my rack because we were still going to climb. Um, so we climbed at some other places there um, and came back to it when the weather was good, and we climbed uh, on the Metalegi Ridge and summited on August 1st, which is, I found out, was Swiss National Day huh. in 2005 <laughs> in a spectacular mountain. Uh, do it sometime. I would love to. <laughs> I've actually never even been to Europe. You have, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh, the amount of rock in Switzerland is spectacular. My climbing journey in Europe has not gone well so far because I showed up and all my stuff got stolen on day two, so oh, wow. I'll have to make another another go at it. Where were you? Uh, Spain. I was actually in Barcelona. Oh, yeah? So. I, speaking of Spain, I go there every year. Yeah. Uh, I preach to other podcasts. I know. With the exception of <laughs> so. 2020. Yeah, uh, obviously. Well, <laughs> I think you were talking on the last podcast about going in 2020. I was like, oh, I, I wonder how that turned out. I so. came back in. Um, I was in Spain. Actually, I was in Spain in 2020. I was it. Yeah, I was in Spain. It in all blends together. 2020 doesn't count. Came, came back. I'm trying to get my years mixed up here. <laughs> um, I came back the first week of March. And we were like not listening to radio or television or anything like we didn't have a television. And I'm flying through Malaga to through the Madrid airport. I get in the Madrid airport and I'm wondering why the heck is everybody wearing a mask? Oh my god. Yeah, it was, and it was like yep. it was like about a week before Trump said he wasn't gonna let anybody back in the country. I, mean, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Oh he did, but um, Did you hear so did you hear that when you were in Spain? That no, I didn't okay. know that at all. No. <laughs> I just 
didn't know why anybody was wearing a mask. Wow. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going back again in February. I'll go back for a month, uh, February to March. What part of what part of Spain do you come from? Go to El Choro. Okay. It's in um, near Malaga. Yeah. Very southern Spain. Yeah. You can climb there in February in a t-shirt. That sounds sounds yeah. wonderful. That does sound. I think wonderful. we're trying. Uh, we're trying to get to. Well, when I say we, I was out there with a partner who had zero interest in climbing, so I was gonna just try to find someone. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it didn't work out. But uh, Montserrat. Which is oh, yeah. just north oh, yeah, of Barcelona. Yeah. It was like a more of an easy access, just to kind of get yeah. on something, and yeah, yeah. Here we are. Still haven't touched it. Go uh, buy it. El Chiro Spectacular. Amy yeah. was over there with me. Uh, oh Amy yeah, Chu was okay. over there with me uh, last time I was there. Um, I mean, there there are ten pitch sport routes there. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just spectacular. Now, what you say, you go every year. Yeah. Do you try to go to the same places, or do you like to switch it up? There, there. Well, I say every year. I've been there three years. Okay, um, sure. I go there because I know it. It's a spectacular place. You can, I know where to rent houses and all the logistics. Um, it's an hour from uh, the beaches at uh, Costa del Sol. So it's Sounds just, terrible. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I mean, you can do a day trip. It's far enough south. That we, you can do a day trip to Morocco. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, highly recommend the place. That's awesome. Um, so... Getting back a little bit to when you started climbing, mm-hmm. um, we did have a listener question that is relevant to this topic, and they ask, um, it's m- at Mike Caruccio, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he asks, how strictly did people follow local ethics back in the day? Well, pretty much everyone followed local ethics back in the day because there were the only ethics there were was trad climbing. So there wasn't like a big bolt controversy until, you know, maybe Romney came along. Um, yeah, before then, there really wasn't any controversy. You you, you were a triclone that everybody was. Now, were you ever into ice climbing as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. So if yeah, you're a tri climber, you're an ice climber back then? I, I actually <laughs> ice climbed before I, I tried climbed. Really? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, uh, First place like ice climb was a place called the um, the ice cream slabs up at in Cumberland, Rhode Island, and hmm. um, yeah, but I uh, go up usually twice a year, maybe past few years because I've been going to nice warm places like Spain. That makes sense. When <laughs> um, I go up to Vermont or, uh, or New Hampshire, mm-hmm. like Amy came up, Amy and I climbed up there for a few days uh, last winter. That's awesome. We love Amy. Amy, if you're listening, we love you. Um, that's great. Well, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I feel like in in my personal experience, you know, ethics is is now an issue in some cases. Just with the the population of of people, there's just yeah. a misunderstanding of like trail ethics and and leave no trace ethics and um being good to your fellow climber i think just just out of out of ignorance mostly not so much disrespect intentionally but um i've just seen a lot of it so i think a lot of that's to do with with gyms again because back in the day you pretty much were an outdoorsman a lot of people went from like mountaineering to rock climbing they were like outdoor people now you go to Romney and um, they're shipping up van loads of people from the rock gyms or from 
um, various climbing clubs. Um, and I mean, the place is a zoo on the weekends. And there's really not much there as far as outdoor eth ethics, you know. We often joke that it's an outdoor gym. Yeah. Because, I yeah. mean, the rock is beautiful, and, but at what cost? <laughs> and even, unfortunately, even the gunks has become an outdoor gym in that um, they've started bolting a lot of um, uh, belay uh, rappel anchors there. And unfortunately, a lot of the rappel anchors are on roots, and they've been used as top rope anchors. And you've got these people gang top roping um, climbs there, like very popular climbs there, like Son of EZO. Somebody put in three pitons with some chains on the route and as a belay station. And that's used to top rope the, the, the route. And the route's already polished. Um, but you can't even get on them. A lot of the routes there that have uh, anchors on them, like um, uh, Snooky's Return, like Ant's Line, those that that heavily top roped. Um, Why? Well, I'd love to see those things going, but that's <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, now, as far as I mean, I know obviously Romney very popular. Mm -hmm. The Gunks very popular. Farley, Farley very Can't popular. Get a place there anymore. No, I actually. Uh, I recently discovered a second parking lot for Farley, which is public oh, yeah. knowledge. But you know, I the still one, there's one that charges. You know that some guy you can park some guy's yacht or something. Yeah, yeah. I I believe it's the same place. But um, I this is public knowledge, like I said. But I was still hesitant to like even bring it up because yeah. it's like I don't want to. Well, I feel like you bring it up and there's all of a sudden just like an onslaught of people, and then it's like ruined almost. It's 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 kind of laughable that. It's supposedly, you can't uh, publish a guidebook to Folly because they want to keep it secret. But yet, it's super popular. Not only that, they have a climber's rendezvous there. I mean, how secret is that? You know, it's very secret. That, that they advertise. <laughs> what what, are you, what you is this tag you're talking about? But you can't have a guidebook to it. You know? Yeah. I mean, it seems, I don't know. I think, I think the, the lack of guidebook is... Is well intended to, mm -hmm. to oh, preserve sure well to preserve it. Yeah. But at this right. point, it's, and, and it's worth reflecting on. Say they don't want a guidebook. Fine, don't do a guidebook. Right, I agree. But there's a problem to that too. Um, I got on a climb there once, didn't know what it was, and some guys walking along. And I say, hey, you know what this climb is? And he said, Yeah. He said, I think it's like uh, a ten A. Said, Oh, okay. So I go up it. And it's hard. It's really hard. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm, this is a really high gravity day for me. So then another guy comes along and I say, hey, what's this climb on? He says, oh, it's an 11A. <laughs> it jumped the whole, you know, a whole grade between the two people that told me what the, what the climb was. That's a Farley rite of passage. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's more of an adventure. Yeah. So... Gunks, Rumney, Farley, very popular in this area, and you've mm -hmm. noticed a significant change yeah. since you started climbing. What about those smaller crags? How have those changed since you started? Um, are you familiar with Pine Ledge and Deep River? We went there yeah. at your recommendation, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, 
That um, another very very obscure crag. Mm -hmm. No one climbed there. It was wonderful when we went. Yeah. I no, mean, it was great. No one climbed there. You throw throw a few bolts in there. Place is very popular now. Um, people from New York City, people from New Jersey, climb there. Um, well, Jersey doesn't have much anything. No. What's the climbing situation in Jersey? Yeah, they get out of Jersey. <laughs> is they it just gunks? They go to the gunks or, or the Delaware Water Gap. Okay, yeah. so that must be great for them yeah. that there's a bolted crag in a reasonable driving distance. Right, it's very popular because, and be, like I said before that, I was introduced to it from a guy that owned a rock gym in Mr. Connecticut a long time ago, and they said no one climbed there. It was dirty, it was yeah. But uh, now it's a great little place. So when you develop crags, mm -hmm. do you are you looking on like topography maps to find them? Do you just Sometimes. hear through the grapevine about them? A lot of them I hear through the grapevine. Okay, very um, interesting. I have old Connecticut climbers. Um, you know they. they Mentioned to me one not too long ago. They said, "You know about this crag in an old line?" I said, "No." He says, "Come on down. I'll show it to you." He showed me three different crags in old line, um, and one in east line. Unfortunately, all but one of them were on private property. And in fact, one of them that this person wanted me to bolt was um, on Yale Forestry property and I said no way <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, not going there um, but a great crag um, but there's one in old Lyme on a conservation uh, conservancy land that um, there's only five roots on it um, but it's a great little crag and all the locals you know the locals know about it and in the winter, it faces south, and it's kind of protected like an amphitheater. Hmm. You can climb there in the winter, and it's comfortable. Um, and it's got five bolted roots on it. You have that on your website? Yeah. Perfect. I'd like to take this opportunity to bring this up to anyone who's listening, that this really is a wonderful resource. So it's climbri.org. It's a great resource. There's very caringly made topography and grades and photos and um, Brian's done just a wonderful job with it. So, you know, maybe if there's a day where Farley's going to be busy, take the time to explore, you know, even if it's top roping because you're not sure exactly maybe how to plug gear yet, give it a try. Ask someone how to do it. So, yeah. Where did the name come from? Because a lot of those places are not in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it started out, there's a joke about Ross Pond. Ross, Ross, Ross Rocks is four miles over the Rhode Island border. And we call it the Rhode Island Crag that happens to be in Connecticut. That's funny. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> because more Rhode Islanders climb there than people in Connecticut. Because it's, I mean, Providence is the biggest population center that's nearby. It's like 40 minutes from Providence. Um, there are really... Rhode Island is known for bouldering, Lincoln Woods, you know, which isn't climbing at all. And um, <laughs> there, there, are very, there are very few crags in Rhode Island. Like I say, Beach Pond, it's a 40-foot crag. It's got 10 squat, squat, squat roots on it now. That's about the extent 
of climbing a snake den that's got you know a few fun roots on it. Um, there's not a heck of a lot. So I expanded it to Connecticut and Massachusetts, <laughs> like driving distance from you know from Rhode Island. Do you have a favorite crag? Um, local crag, I assume it's me. Yeah. Do you have um, a yeah? We'll we'll narrow it down. Yeah, I, I mean, it would have to be uh, Ross Rocks and um, Pine Ledge, those two. Now, when, how, when did you discover climbing at Ross? Uh, in the 90s, um, early 90s, probably. Very cool. Yeah. Now, when we go there, there's like a... There's a lot of other activities happening besides climbing. There's a lot of hiking and mountain biking and what have you. Was uh, it still as popular for those reasons back a lot then? Of, a lot of partying and just, a lot of partying. Oh, hands off the party wall. You got offered a hot dog. Do you remember that? No, I forgot. Uh, was some. There's a picture of it that you took up on my mantle. But there's some like thin crack line that followed up. Um, I think it was at the party wall. Mm -hmm. It's like a five-five or something like that. We're getting up, and there's a bunch of oh, people was it bed? It was bed top. spins. Yeah, bed sure. spins. And yeah, we're getting up to the top, and the person was well. They offered me a hot dog because I was blowing you up from the top. I <laughs> actually declined, and that's not. <laughs> in my there's nature. a great climb there. It's a, it's a lead climb called uh, Devil's Lettuce. Are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, we followed you, we you up. We followed you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. A lot of times when I top out on that, when I'm leading. You know, they don't, they don't know. There's no ropes hanging yeah. there. They don't know anybody's coming. I top out and there's people there yeah. and they freak out. Of course they do. This guy yeah. pops out, you know. Oh my gosh, imagine being, you know, probably stoned and this head just pops up over yeah. the cliff. No, thank you. People don't do drugs in Connecticut, Michelle. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, you're right. Michelle um, apologizes to Connecticut. Well, it, it, Devil's lettuce, you know, I would go to see right. right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a story to that. Um, a lot of the climbs there, we don't know who did them or how long ago. There were some pitons on that mm -hmm. that were ringed pitons. Now, obviously, it was probably aided back in the uh, 50s or 60s. Um, but Dave Rizzullo, when he was doing his guidebook, um, if it didn't have a name for reference purposes, he'd name it. So we went there and we started like giving things names. Um, some of them be politically corrected. Yeah. Um, some of them are not. Some of them are not printable in the book, so they got changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that place a lot. What did we? We did uh, Disney. Was Disney World. Disney World. I always confuse it with Disneyland. Yeah, I know. Because I, yeah. of the parks. Okay, that's exactly how. <laughs> and got, the gunks. That's exactly how we got named. Yeah. If you've ever done Disneyland at the near traps and the gunks, it goes up and it traverses out right and then up. Well, Disney World goes up, traverses out right, and then goes up. The traverse on Disneyland at the gunks is a lot bigger, <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of that. How it's that's how it got its name. I love the name. That's the one you said. It's a it's a five eight for a five ten liter, right? No, that's that's um, Devil's, Devil's lettuce. lettuce. That's Devil's lettuce. This yeah. is five seven because that's it's five eight. Five eight. Okay. Because you've got to be hitting you off one arm to play yeah. skier on it most of the time, usually off your left arm. So it's kind of pumpy. <laughs> well, you made it look very easy. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know how many times I've probably done that? Yeah. <laughs> how many? Well, I don't know. I guess. I don't keep count. <laughs> Roughly. 
25. That's so funny, okay. Jeff. Yeah, all right. That's good. Yeah, a lot. Wow. Is that your, do you think that's the climb you've done the most in your life? Um, yeah, it could be. Top uh, contender? Um, one of the contenders. Probably Arrow at the Gunks. I've probably done that 25 times at least. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a classic. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of the guns I've done a lot. I remember when we were, I'm, I'm like having flashbacks to the day that we went out, it was about a year and a half ago. You spent some time in Yosemite, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about, was there, I could, maybe I'm making this up, and if that's the case, we'll just cut this entirely. <laughs> no. Uh, or we're not. <laughs> Did you have like a pretty big fall on like a really small oh, piece of gear? I remember yeah, this too. I remember, like, I remember this too. Or yeah. something yeah. like that, and I'm like. <laughs> well, you still have it, don't you? I still have that. You're like, I fell on this. It wasn't all that long ago, actually. We were on um, um, an El Cap. My friend Dave Curry was belaying me. And um, I went up and I placed a, um, I know it's not that old, because I mean, long ago, because the piece wasn't that old. It's an X4. It's the uh, second to the smallest, the yellow X4. And I placed that. I took probably, I don't know, 40 foot around it. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, the the trigger wire on it like is bent now. You know the the wire is bent. It's still fine. I still use it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. That's Everything's a, fine. <laughs> it's, an ex, it's an exciting fall. Wow. What did you what uh, what routes or what were you on it? We're on uh, the uh, yeah. East Buttress of El Cap. Okay. How much time did you spend there? Have you been there multiple times? Oh or yeah. Is that like a one time. Uh, I, I used to go there every other year. Um, I we, I last went out there. Uh, 2019. Okay. Um, one of my favorite places to climb is um, Tuolumne Meadows in Yosemite. Which okay. I like that much more so than the valley. The valley is too many people. It's too hot. Um, it's Tuolumne. Is, I don't, it's, you can go there in July. It's like 70, 75 degrees every day. It's dry. It's perfect. A New Englander's dream. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sign me up. We just had, we got literally six inches of rain last night, which is yeah. I know. I've been that's like glancing. I've been glancing out the window to make sure it's not mm-hmm. raining because my windows are open. Mm. The only thing about Tuolumne is it's known for its runouts, and it definitely has yeah. runouts. Wow. Um, and I mean, another thing that's really changed over the years is grading. Talking about Yosemite. Yes. Um, if you've climbed at, I, I've climbed at Takeets, Yosemite, Joshua Tree, those places, the gunks obviously. You go out there and you climb there and you get used to those grades, everything else is inflated. So, a 5.8 in Yosemite Valley, particularly a crack climb, um, it'll spank 5.11 gym climbers every time. Yeah, it, they're really hot. I'm so happy you brought this up. That's what I found out. What I fell on, too, was a flaring crack. Oh, yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so happy you brought this up. I actually got into it a little bit with my uh, two of my friends that I climbed with the other evening. We were at the gym. Do you mm-hmm. climb at the gym? Or you're yeah, just, I do. You do? Okay. Yeah, Are it's an nece- evil necessity. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, sponsored by Central Rock. Yeah. It keeps you in good shape. It does. And when yeah. it's raining out, that's where I go. Or in the winter, sometimes 
I have to go there. Right. Okay. Yeah. I actually so, go to two gyms. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So we were talking the other day mm-hmm. because they established, they put up some new routes at the gym and we go to Worcester. Mm-hmm. And um, this is not talking about bouldering. Bouldering could be completely different. Actually, they don't do consensus grading for bouldering. So this would be just rope (laughs) asking the wrong person. So it's just for rope climbing. So it was interesting because Mm -hmm. you know how the consensus grading works where you put an X next to whatever grade you feel that it is. They give you a range and you say, I feel like this is a five, whatever. Uh Well, I I sandbag everything there. (laughs) Okay. This is interesting to me. So (laughs) the reason that I'm bringing this up is first of all, everyone's going to, going to, Climb it differently. Yeah. We all have different beta, we're different heights, different methods, whatever. But my friends started putting an L instead of an X if they let it. And they left an X if they top roped it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because at first I was like, I don't agree with that because I think a climb is a climb regardless of how you do it. However, the more we started talking about it, I was like, wait, it is literally harder to lead something than it is to top rope something. So. Yeah. Why not let people know that you let it and you felt that it was such a grade yeah. as opposed to top roping it? We got into it even more talking about the level of new climbers mm-hmm. that are marking these things based off of feel, based off right. of climbs that have already been and, you know, downgraded, essentially. And I misspoke. I don't sandbag it. I put the actual, what the real grade would be. <laughs> Everybody else makes it soft. So the pendulum, the, the pendulum between outdoor and indoor grades yeah. is swinging wider and wider. Well, I get accused of sandbagging climbs all the time, but and and lately so in some cases, um, you're supposed to grade a climb on a leading it on site, and sometimes when I put a climb up, I may have either rope soloed it or top roped it multiple times i got it wired so to me that's not hard right but if you were to get on it on site particularly leading it you know it might feel a lot harder sure i mean that that makes sense but what i do is is i realize that what i do is i have a lot of people climb it and i come to a uh, consensus or whatever everybody says it is i i do upgrade climbs you know i mean (laughs) There's a climb I did at Pine Ledge uh, called Girls of Guns. And uh, the first time, I, when I, after I put it up, I climbed it with this woman. And after she came down, I said, what do you think it's rated? And she said, 5.9. I said, no, it's like a 5.7. <laughs> and anyways, I, I said, you need guns to do it. <laughs> Hence, girls with guns. But, so I, I kicked it up to 5'8". I compromised. <laughs> I didn't know which way that was going to go. I was like, did she pull a gun on you and you need to upgrade it? Or? No, I just told her she needed guns to do it. That's like, great. I love that. But it's it's interesting because, you know, like, for example, the friends that I was talking with, they're a couple, and mm-hmm. Jude is six-something at yeah. least, and Alex is five feet Five yeah, feet. Well, that makes a huge difference. And so it was It was so funny because right after we're done talking about this, Jude runs up, and they're both very strong, but mm-hmm. Jude runs up, you know, this climb that was getting consensus graded, 
And he goes, I think it's a 510 minus. And Alex was like, okay. And she hops up it once again. She's yeah. incredibly strong, but she's a foot plus shorter than him. She's like, this is not a 510 minus. So it's just, it's very interesting look, to me how people get to grades. Look at the Gokes, um, the opening page of the Gokes on Mountain Project. You'll see a comment I made there. Um, and a couple of climbs there I've made comments on about the grading. Particularly at the Gokes where you have horizontals. If you can reach that horizontal, Mm. It's a 5'7. If you can't reach that horizontal, it might be a 5'10. You know, um, there are a lot of climbs, particularly at the Gunks, we have horizontals like that. Um, and I made that comment on the, on, on the Gunks opening page. But there's the climbs there, particularly roof climbs there. I did one with, with Amy, Amy Chu, um, called Beetle Brow Bulge. It's a 10 minus. And it's a roof. And I can pop up over that roof. Amy had problems. <laughs> now, how up. tall are you? I'm only 5'11". You're five, okay. Yeah. And she was like 5'3", she said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she couldn't reach it. Yeah. You know, and, well, she couldn't get my gear off to reach it. <laughs> but anyways, she got over it. She's, she's strong. She is. Um, but it's definitely, and I claim with a lot of women. Um, I claim with a woman, uh, Connecticut climbing Natasha. She's five feet tall. And, you know, I give them credit. They, uh, they find a way to make it happen. That's wonderful. So yeah. when you, so you said when you establish a route, you have, how do you know roughly, like based off of, you know, the people you trust to give you a grade, like what it well, is? Well, I have various people of various stature, climate, and they can tell me. The other thing I do is when I bolt a route, um, I will go up with a piece of uh, chalk you know, blackboard chalk, and I'll mark where the, the bolt should go. And I reach up, and then I drop it down to my, like, elbow level, because I know that everybody's not going to be able to reach that. Thank you. In fact, um, <laughs> Dolson was talking about this at Hanging Mountain, to have someone um, come up behind, after you mark the route, have someone that's shorter go up and climb it afterwards and check to make sure that they can reach all of those chalk marks that you put. Yeah, which is a great idea. It is great. And like you'd yeah. mentioned, the, the percentage of women that now climb is increasing. Oh, yeah. And we're not usually pretty tall, so, right. you know, it's appreciated, right. you know. Um, thanks. Well, my, <laughs> uh, my friend, Natasha, who has one of those, I call them cheetah drawers. They're not really cheetahs. Have you seen those stiff drawers yeah. that they have? Yes. Yeah, yeah she has one of those. <laughs> So she can reach up and, and get that clip. It's a modern day flexible friend, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Lynn Hill. Lynn Hill's only like 5'1". Is she? She's really short. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yeah. She's great. Have you met her? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Tell me about her. <laughs> well, in 19, I think it was 95, um, a friend of mine called me, it was over in Newport, and he said, hey, he said, uh, Extreme Games are going to be in Newport. Yes. What's the Extreme Games? Um, ESPN does what they call the Extreme Games, mm -hmm. and they have like skateboarding and and bicycle. Oh, is this X bicycles? Games? It was before the, the X, X Games. Games. Oh, the X wow. Games are the Extreme that Games. That explains the X. Yeah. Okay, wow, okay. learning something new. Okay, sorry. Okay. So the first the first two X Games were in Newport, hmm. and um, they had climbing, and they ESPN was offering. A lot of prize money 
by climbing definition, a lot of a lot of climb money. So all the best climbers in the world came. Wow. And so my friend calls me up. He says, "Hey, they need belayers. So you interested?" He says, "You get some free swag." I said, "Absolutely." This is my dream job. Says, what? I said, I'm in. <laughs> so I show up there, and who's one of the judges is Lynn Hill. So I'm there, ready to go over. You know what we're going to do and everything else. And she comes up and puts her hand out. She says, "Hi, I'm Lynn Hill," and I just. I just looked at her and laughed, shook her hand. I said, I know who you are. I said, I'm a climber. Wow. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, she was really nice. Um, she, was with, she was a judge. But um, so I literally belayed the best climbers in the world. Um, Robin Urbisfeld, uh, yeah. one for the women. You know who she is? Yeah. Uh, uh, Robitou now? Mm-hmm. Um, Brooke Robitou is a daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, she won for the women's division, and a guy, I forget his name, a Brit, he won for the men's division. But, I mean, like I said, they were all French climbers and Japanese climbers and all over the place. What was it like being a professional belayer? <laughs> She'll take it well, so. I, need, I love belaying people. I need to know. Well, one of, the, one of them got, got disqualified on my route. This Russian woman, uh, uh, Alina, Alina. Well, I can't forget her name, Ochukanova or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the arete was off. Oh, okay. She wrapped a toe around the arete. Oh, and they no. disqualified her. And she was, was like, oh, I didn't understand. I didn't understand you know, being in English, uh, in English, but she spoke really good English. <laughs> <laughs> well, arete's so, French, so you couldn't expect her to know. Right, Fairness, right? right? Yes. <laughs> um, well, the other thing is with the uh, for speed climbing, this was before the days of, of auto boys. So we had two of us. Hans Florin was, was doing speed climbing in a Russian dude. Um, there were two of us on the rope. We attached the rope with Grigri's. And basically we ran for counterweight in the other direction as he went up. And we're literally running. That's how fast these guys they were climbing. Were you ready for that? Or were they just like, oh, by the way, this is how you're going to do this? Yeah, no, I, I, I've never done that before. I never, <laughs> yeah, no, why would you ever I, do I, that no in we any situation? We practiced running in that direction a couple of times, but you know, that, that was that was it. Was, how was Hans Florin? Just like the fastest person ever? Well, I don't, I don't want to diss Hans Florin, but I called him Hollywood Hans. He had long hair at the time. He was like... Um, I don't know. He's like rock star. Sure. Yeah. Well, he had the blonde hair, right? So yeah, it's yeah. like kind of, yeah. 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 Wow. What a legend. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Okay. Sorry. I love dead air. Um, all right. So this is a great time for uh, me to be socially awkward, but also for my, my last question, unless mm-hmm. you had anything else you want nope. to touch upon, which I'd love to hear from you. Um, the future of climbing. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about, you know, where you've been, where this area has kind of been. What mm-hmm. do you see happening in the future of climbing? Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more sport routes simply because demand for them. Um, there are old, relatively obscure crags that are popping up as popular places like the sport climbing. Are you familiar with Russell Crags up in um, New Hampshire? No. It's a new area. That's not a new area. Oh, it's, a a new, weeks ago. it's a newly developed area. <laughs> the rock's area. only a few yeah, years old. <laughs> it's a newly developed area. And um, it's the same type of rock as, as Rundy. And 
there was some old trad climbs in there and it wasn't considered to be that great of a crag. People have been going in there and putting up uh, roots, both trad and sport roots, but a lot of sport roots. And it's become very popular. And hopefully that'll take away some of the crowds from Rundy. Um, I went up there and there's some really nice roots. Right off the highway too. Yeah, it's a short, relatively short approach. Yeah. I mean, I, that's great to hear. I mean, I would, I would love to see Rumney be less of the things that I get annoyed about Rumney for. I mean, A, for my own selfish reasons, but B, for the preservation of the trails and mm -hmm. the, the locals and, you know, just everything in general that we're unaware that I think we're um, killing, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I mean, Rumney in 10 years is not going to look like Rumney today, and Rumney today certainly doesn't look like Rumney 10 years ago. So I, I, I'm, I hope for that breaking up of, of crags. Yeah, and if for along those lines, for access, I would love to see groups like Western Massachusetts Climbers Coalition try to get access to some places like, like Bunyan, like uh, High Rocks. Um, those are great crags. If they could be opened up, they'd be super popular. I, Bunyan's yeah. big. Bunyan is big, and it's, I mean, I think it's gorgeous, yeah. and it's tall also. Yeah. So is High Rocks, I mean, High Rocks literally, but, um, mm. I mean, our we interviewed Justin Rafelson a while ago, and he made a great point, is that climbing is either on public land or on private land, and each has their own set of issues, so, yeah. um, I mean, I think... Well, both Bunyan and uh, High Rocks is public land. It's mm -hmm. access is across private land to get to them. Okay. That's the issue. Sure. That makes sense. And I understand being a private landowner, landowner, excuse me, and having concerns for liability and that kind of and thing. Because rock climbing is dangerous, and they don't know too well, much about at, it usually. At, at, well, at Bunyan, it, that's actually questionable whether it's mm -hmm. private or public. There's a road; it's marked on the max map as Macumba Road. Mm -hmm. That might be a public right away. It happens to go through a guy's farm, right. but it might be a public right away. Um, somebody needs to, you know, find that out. Right, because where does the road end? Does it... It continues. So if you look like, on Google Maps, it follows up like a quarter mile past where the uh, the yeah. troughs are. So it goes past the pavement, that's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, so, but there's mm -hmm. like, they would probably be able to stake a eminent domain claim there because they have all their equipment parked on it and it looks like it's not trafficked by anybody except for probably the three of us at this table plus 10 people, so. Plus whoever's gonna where, listen where to Where the crag is itself <laughs> was private land, but it was donated to the town of Munson. Hmm. So, you know, somebody could work those issues. It's interesting. I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy for now to see Hanging Mountain being established being worked on and mm -hmm. hopefully once that book closes you know we can yeah. one step at a time work on each crag and and hopefully spread out the uh, mass amount of climbers that we have in this area so mm -hmm. um yeah any anything else for for what brian sees in the future of climbing mm, nope nope i love it doing a lot of it i love that checking off my bucket list love it good all right we are at an hour, so Brian, truly thank you so much. Is I'm sorry, before you put your notes away, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd wanna nope. bring up to people? Wonderful, all right. Um, all right, everybody, thank you all so much for listening to our conversation with Brian Phillips, local legend. 
Our hosts are Rich Wallet and Michelle Bourget. Our intro song is by Mara Brown. Our sponsor is Central Rock Gym, and our listeners are awesome. We can be found on Instagram and on Twitter at Offblade Podcast and by email at offblade at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we go off belay. See ya.